This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. We transform Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities through professionally produced podcasts and a host of social strategies. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Thanks for joining another episode here of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. We are back again. I am very excited to introduce our guest today, Jennifer Goldman of Jennifer Goldman Consulting. Jen, I think you go by, was actually referred to us by a past guest, Brian Bosley, who did a great job and is a great leadership guru himself. It's nice to be introduced. And Jen, if you don't mind, maybe you can just say a quick hello to the audience and maybe give everyone a little bit of an overview of what it is you do at Jennifer Goldman Consulting, and we'll get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And let me try to give the elevator pitch, as they say. So I really come into businesses that need a big evolution in a short period of time. And so that is kind of changing your mindset, learning how to lead, bringing up the team to the level that you want them at, productivity, tech. It's all encompassing, to be perfectly frank. It's like a makeover of a business, but I wouldn't say over, just up. Love it. Big evolution, short time sounds like fun to me. I think I could use that as well. We can all all use that. The makeover, makeover sounds pretty good also. I think it's really timely, Jen, for us to have you on as we learned about what you've been helping so many financial advisors with. And I'm just going to frame it out for the audience and then you know we'll get into it and obviously want to spend most of our time hearing directly from you. So many of the advisors that we coach or I've met throughout my career have become stuck, hence the need potentially for a, a makeover and some change where lots of advisors get to this inflection point where they build a business to a level that it's a great, what I would call lifestyle practice. They get to a million, a million and a half, maybe, maybe if they're really good, two million and they work really hard. And then what the business ultimately becomes about is not the same skill set that got that advisor to build that one to two million dollar business but it really becomes how do you become more of the CEO? How do you develop others? How do you create a culture that actually attracts, retains, and grows talent within your organization? And I know as you and I got to know each other a little bit just before we started here, I think we're super aligned on that. And when you think about most financial advisors, their biggest expense is their human capital. And I know a big part of what you do is to help figure out how you find the right people, where you find them, how you become a kind of a, a magnet for those people, how to ultimately create the right role, responsibility, and development of that person, and then how to actually deal with the complexity as it starts to actually work and the business starts to scale and grow. With that being said, I'd love to just dig into it and maybe you can just talk a little bit about what you see in businesses that you coach, why they ultimately engage with you as from, a, from the perspective of this human capital, and then how you find that human capital. Yeah, a lot of questions. So if I forget yes. one, let we, me know because my we, brain's so like yours. <laughs> we, we call that the cut and three, three time question. I test people <laughs> three early. Time question. 
Yeah, yeah you so seem you seem really smart, so I figured you can handle three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say this, and this is probably going to come as a surprise to some. We can talk about attracting, retaining, and energizing the talent, but we are also the talent. So I think we forget as owners or as owner leaders, we can term it whatever we want, or owner advisors, that we are also the talent. We have to energize ourselves to energize others. There are two ways to tackle this. And I know you've been through this because you run a big company, uh, several companies. You can go bottom up and work with your staff and listen to what they want and where they want to head in their career path and then give them the training development resources they need. Or you can start with yourself as the owner and think what you want and you need and start to go into self-learning mode and tap on resources and then lead by example. It's just a question, to be frank, of emotional comfort and trust with the culture and the business. Do your people trust you enough to speak clearly or your own comfort with changing your own mindset and your skill set to adapt to the bigger business? So that's a nice way to say it. What, I, what I'm hearing you say is sometimes maybe you need to look in the mirror uh, a little bit and really define reality of how are you as a leader to the people in your organization and are you yourself ready to develop and lead people? Am I, am I hearing that right? Yes, you are. That's right. And, and I'll share with you, just as an aside, Jen, I think that's spot on to, I, you know, I've engaged with different leadership folks over the years. And I'd love to get to know you more. I've, what I learned is everyone's got a, a similar kind of, how do I say, kind of northeast direction that they're trying to head, but a different way to get there and little different tricks of the trade. Interestingly, I engaged someone probably four years ago now name is Ray Kelly. And what Ray shared with me, which was really enlightening from my own self-awareness, is as he got to know some of the folks in the organization, he called my culture what he actually called a John Says culture, which was, in essence, the people in the organization, although I didn't realize it, didn't feel they had say that we had this kind of what, what I now call a vision-based culture, but that everything needed to run through me. Meanwhile, I was wondering why they weren't stepping up and doing it on their own. So is that when you mean when, I, when you say that? That's exactly. And if for some, let's relate it to something more comforting, our kids, right? Like we always say, well, why don't you speak up? Eventually your kids, as they get older, start to say, well, because you're always speaking up. Like you almost dwarf me with your personality and your energy. Well, as an owner, you're the visionary, right? You also probably can do boots on the ground. You're grounded. You know how to get things done. So sometimes we forget that we're dwarfing. We're making people feel that they don't, their voice isn't needed or wanted. And so we don't mean to do this intentionally, right? As executives, I love that you went through that. I think it's something that all of us in an entrepreneurial or an executive team level should go through because we can't really see the truth. And I did the same thing. I have had outside coaches and assessments and I've worked with a culture person just because they're objective and not emotionally attached and they can see for what it really is. So, yeah, so that's one, one great technique. Good of you to be brave enough to do that. Not every company is. But. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's humbling, right, to get feedback. Yeah. I'm sure you agree. Self awareness is 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 critical, right? If you want to build a, a big company, 
through others. So maybe we can get a little more granular. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? If I'm an advisor listening in and I'm going, yeah, that's me and it's my way or the highway and I, and I want to change. How do you help someone like that? Would you have a process around that? Yeah, so sometimes I tell them to seek out a business psychologist because this gets very emotional. Other times I'll take the path of least resistance. So I'm a change transformer. I don't want to hear no. I want to hear yes and when to all my recommendations, to be frank. So I do this thing called life career mission statement, and I let the leaders work with their staff first on a bottom-up approach and let their staff speak up about career goals and personal goals and what some of the things that they don't like doing within the firm. Like I call it roles, but we might call it how many hats do you wear? So they literally document in this one pager, what hats are you wearing? What hats don't you want to wear? Where do you want to head in your career path? What do you want for personal goals? Like I've had some people say, I want to pay off my house. I want to pay off student loans. I want to climb a mountain. I mean, it's a one pager of pretty much your life and career mission statement. Going that method lets the executives get ready for their own work and their own kind of look in the mirror. And that seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Oh, getting clear. That's smart. And just understanding what it is that you want for yourself, right? Both yeah. business from a business, personal life, et cetera. I get it. So Jen, you, part of what you do is you come into an organization, you probably do a lot of listening. I'd, I'd expect right from advisors that are pretty successful that mm -hmm. aren't maybe successful, but aren't completely happy right? And yeah. what they do and the, the future of the organization and help them set how to create a culture and roles and responsibilities to ultimately do that. Very cool. And then where do you go from there? So say you come into the process and you and I meet, let's say, and we go, great, that's what I want, Jen. Now we've got to either work with the existing staff and team that's in place or look to bring in some of the right kind of folks to sit in the right seats on the bus and how do you find those people and assess the right roles and how you lead them? Yeah, there's so many pieces to this. One piece is you do organizational design. So I start drafting out the current design and where people are sitting uh, and what they're doing and their capacity. So we start to look at for advisor teams, you know, how many clients are you dealing with? Is it too many? I also look at the technology side of things to see if that's supporting them enough and keeping the workload at a minimum. So you have to look at that as a supportive element. That's the second piece that we visually draw out. And then the third, and I think the most important with all this is we get the visionary brain and goals in writing. I actually use uh, like a project management software, but there's so many different programs out there where you can brain dump. What do you want to get to in terms of maybe size of the business or revenue run? How many locations? What are some of the hurdles that you have? Some people call them rocks. We use Gina Wickman's um, terminology. And writing out the entire plan of what you'd like to do, then defining the steps in the order, because it is the order that matters most. That's where you keep people energized or you lose them at hello, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned uh, Gino Wickman. So EOS, is that, is that, you use that process with your clients? Is that part of the process? Yeah. And sometimes they come with it because they've been through it. So there's a couple things I use strategic coach. I use Gino Wickman. I use, 
you really want to do this? Brene Brown's Brave. I use Mel Robbins. I mean, like, you know, we read, we listen, and we incorporate. So I pull all that in. And all the pieces that I've seen work, I pull that in to the engagement. But I don't call it out to work on it separately. For example, if a firm is struggling with having productive, open dialogue in meetings with staff, I'm going to send them to an EOS person. If they're having trouble with culture and a a trust, I'm going to send them to like a, a Pam Ross on culture. I do not do it all. I'm the, what would you say, like a quarterback? CFO, whatever terminology we understand in our industry. Yeah, I I think quarterback, right? It sounds like what you're saying is you're a a resource broker, general Mm -hmm. practitioner, and then you bring in your specialist to help that that team solve issues, which I think is is super smart. We are starting to use EOS in our practice. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. Dan Sullivan fan, and Who Not How is probably the best book I ever read, uh, mm-hmm. recent book, and opened up my eyes to a lot of different things, which is which is cool. So really, I mean, it starts, Jan, it sounds like, with you getting really into the head of the CEO and kind of understanding what he or she is struggling with and where where they're trying to take the organization. I mean, it sounds like you have a a pretty cool system to do that. Is that usually 60 days, 90 days, six months, a week? Like how long do you, because I I can imagine there's a lot to help the person kind of to drag out almost like what the real vision is and get them clear. Yeah, I will say to be frank, it goes beyond even my engagement. In the first two months is where I think the epiphany starts to happen of the leader seeing that everything is integrated, right? You can make a change in one area and it has a ripple effect. And they start to get a vision of how big they want to be because you and I know with every set of growth, there are hurdles. There are changes that need to be made. And everybody's game to being the biggest company in the world. And And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. To be fair, three to six months. And it falls also on a little bit of science. So University of London did another study that came out, um, Lally's study, and it said, how long does it take to form a new habit? When we think of habits, we think of like brushing your teeth, (laughs) doing something physical, um, maybe quitting coffee. I don't know. But sometimes a habit is in your mind. It's this mindset. So how long does it take for you to wrap your head around what you really want and that you are willing to go the long haul? And it takes 66 days. And the other thing we make the mistake when we look at the study is say, well, 66 days includes Saturday and Sundays. And my attitude is, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Like as much as I know as entrepreneurs and leaders, we're thinking about our business on the weekends, we're not really knee deep in it. So it's 66 business days. So if you do the math, you're talking, you're in for three to six months. And by the way, it doesn't mean you can't make progress. You just thinking is progress. Just writing out goals and thoughts, that's all progress. I call it therapy, but you can call it what you want. During that time, you are making wins. You are changing your mindset. You are giving a new life to the business, like another kick of energy. So it's all progress. It's not that you're just sitting there for six months writing a diary, what you want. Yeah, I love this stuff, Jen. You have no idea. So I'm completely, yeah, completely connected. And I just want to say this, like to the listeners, and I want you to listen to maybe the opening remarks here, whatever we've been here, 15 or 20 minutes, a 
couple of times, you're either looking at this going, what the heck are Jen and John talking about? Because you just you're just you're, you're just not getting it yet. Or you're going, man, that's exactly what I need. And there's a saying, I don't know whose it is, it's certainly not mine, but something along the lines of the teacher will appear when you're ready. I don't think that's exactly what it is or something along those lines. And when you hear something at the right time, it clicks. As you're talking to me, like my in my own planning practice, we've gone through rapid growth over the last two years, like doubling from what was from, say, 50 employees to 110 or so. And you're right. It's just different work. And there's bumps. And for every move you make, there's five things that you wish you thought about that you're like, man, I don't I don't know how that I missed that one. And it seems really clear once you're on the other side of it, as you start to think about changing habits. I use a term that I stole from someone else, think, act, do. You first have to change how you think, and then you almost have to teach yourself how to brainwash yourself to say, I am this, I do this, this is who I am, this is who I am. And then you have to actually change the behavior and do it and act, right? And go, okay, I'm gonna actually, let's go into the gym. I am healthy, I work out. Okay, I don't really wanna go to the gym today. I feel out of place at the gym today, but I, keep telling myself, I do work out. I am going to work out. That's who I am. And then after you do it for a little bit through action, you start to go, okay, I kind of fit in everyone. There's other people in this place who don't know how to use the machines and that seem to be out of breath and sweating a lot and et cetera. And then before you know it, you're that person that you wanted to be that's going, you know, that's going to the gym. And I think the same, just as an example is true in habits within a business. You help advisors and business people in general understand where they are, where's reality, where it is they want to go. And then it sounds like what you do is you help them prioritize. Here are the 20 things, 40 things, which becomes really overwhelming, right? And you go, I know there's 40, but let's go work on these three or four because there's building blocks to ultimately get there. Is that accurate? That is the best. You can just Go ahead and be my salesperson. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, I'm selling because that's what I need. So I get it because those are the same mistakes that I'm making. You look at it and you go, let me do all 40 right now. And then you you, you get nothing done because you can't you can't get it all done. Completely clear on that. And then I'd say, Jen, you, you know, you get to a point where you go, great, I'm clear. These are these are the things that I need to do. Let's say you or someone else help the advisor go. This is what I want. This is what I need to do. These are the three to five things I need to focus on now. And now I presume the next step is now you got a team in place. Maybe you need some different people on seats in the bus, as you were saying before. You got to kind of put it together so you have the right people doing the right things assuming you even have all of the right people or can find all the right people. So maybe you can just talk through a little bit of that, like how to, how to put the right people, in the right seats in the bus. And then if you don't have the right people, how do you find them? And then how do you develop them so they can actually execute? So the bus is you, you're, you're setting the vision and the path, the seats. I literally do almost like a musical chairs exercise. And again, that sounds crazy. And I've been doing it for years. You'll all relate for anyone who uses Excel, that you literally, if you could envision this, write out in the first row all the areas of the business, and then in the first column, the level of authority, and then start sticking people's names in there. I've done this so many times in the business, and I walk around, and the advisor owner has their name in every box. And I'm like, that is just not possible. I know you're not a one-hand band. 
even if your wife is helping <laughs> something, please put that in there. That's the first thing. Doing that exercise of writing down where they're sitting now is actually mind-blowing. It sounds simple, but you start to realize you don't have the right people in the right seats. Okay, so that's one. When you realize you don't, then it's a life career mission statement to figure out what they want, where their passion lies, because where passion lies is where they're willing to learn more and maybe learn a new skill. So maybe they're an advisor, but they love running the business. Yes, I'm talking about myself. Maybe they're doing business development, but they really just love marketing if you have a big enough team. So listen to what they think and then bring it back to that graph and chart out what you think is the next best rendition of the team. When you keep having a big gaping hole in an area of the business, obviously, that's when you hire. Now, I know your audience is diverse. So if you're big enough, like your company, you can hire full time and you can hire great talent. But if you're smaller, talent's tight right now, will be for a while, and money's tight. That's where I do believe in bringing in interim outsource providers into certain gaps until you have the money and the bandwidth to hire full time. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. Proudmouth. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. like to reiterate if you haven't figured it out jen i reiterate because that's how i actually learn it this sounds selfish but my favorite part about doing a podcast is i get to meet really smart people and uh get in their brains a little bit so here's what i'm hearing you say write down all the roles that you have in the organization right what are the things that we need to actually do figure out who's doing those things now right you'll likely be surprised that you're probably doing most of them because we're all control freaks as as business owners and entrepreneurs and then ultimately determine for the roles that you are doing, can you get it all done by yourself? Likely not. And then based on the people you have doing those roles, are those the right people or not? And are they in a spot where they are themselves going to be inquisitive and continue to grow in that particular niche, if you will, so they can be unbelievably good at that role? Accurate? Accurate. You are okay. great. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so, listening, which is good. Yep. You're, you're listening really well, which is a skill that most of us don't have. So then when you know you have these gaps and you've searched and filled with outsource providers or not, or you want to hire, then the trick is hiring, right? And this is where firms are struggling more than they ever have. Talent's tight. I will say this, remote workers are fabulous workers. And I would encourage a lot of business owners to think a little outside the box. I'm still hearing I need to hire locally and I'm trying to encourage them to think nationally. So that's number one. Number two, your website is your marketing for retention of your people and attraction of people. I think we think marketing our website and all of our social media is for the clients we want to attract, but it is actually 50% for the people you want to retain or attract. So make sure your culture, you have a careers page, you have some pictures if you guys, I know some firms that do like Habitat for Humanity, right, or charity work, get those pictures up there or they do a happy hour. 
get the pictures up there. Show your culture. Even if it's two of you, it doesn't matter. Show that you're serious about attracting and retaining great talent. And then the third is you got to have some type of training program. I know we all want to achieve the Edelmans of the world and others that have these amazing training programs. Don't set the bar that high. Set it at if you're hiring somebody on an advisor track, you have two to three sources that they can get outside training with, whether it's, I don't care if it's a coach, FPA residency, whatever it is, literally have three sources that you're willing to pay for to develop them outside of the office. If it's business ops, well, there's a ton of, ton of resources out there. Love it. I heard a, a bunch of things in there. One is doesn't need to be local, tight labor market. I did have a question there. I, and I completely agree, by the way, we've got multiple locations all over the country. I wish I was smart enough to have bought Zoom stock when I started using it. I, I wasn't, but I was using Zoom well before the pandemic. Should have saw that coming, but I didn't. But the question that I would ask you is, is that something you help with? I mean, in some in some parts of our business, as an example, it becomes very specific, right? That you need some financial services background and things along those lines. So do you keep, do you have connections in the industry that might help an advisor with certain you know, roles in their organization? Yeah, I, I actually do. And in fact, years ago, it was me, Kristen Luke Keller Brown. There's a whole group of us that came together for a while to pitch it. On my website, it's free and it's there and you can filter by category. So if you go to um, jennifergoldenconsulting.com and there's a resource page, there's actually a full directory of different types of providers on outsourcer tab. And then on the other button is technology. I, I believe that there are a lot of things that you can do to quickly get to a solution and you don't need to necessarily pay for them. I don't know if that just shot myself in the foot, but I think it's the right thing to do. And yeah, that directory keeps growing and growing because, you know, just like there is M&A in our, in our world, there's M&A among outsourced providers as well. I mean, when you talk about being a quarterback, right, to your clients, what you've done is you've built the resources. So anything your client needs, you've gone out and I presume vetted in some way who those providers ultimately are. So are people in, in there, I, I honestly haven't been at that part of your website, but are they like people who might help with marketing within a wealth management business and maybe outsource financial planning and things along those lines? Oh is that? Yeah, right down to like ghostwriters. To, yeah, you obviously have your typical compliance, marketing, robocall solutions. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty good. I am absolutely sure. And, and your people will tell me that I could add a lot more resources. Keeping up with it is not the easiest thing. But I will tell you, working with firms, you, you always hear the need. And then you can go out and find. Luckily for us in our industry, there has been a lot of pop-up resources, especially in the last couple of years. There's a lot of great people that realize there's a niche and offering, think of like White Glove and Brian seminars, right? All these niche type of plays. So it, it's all there. Yeah, super smart. We support some higher net worth business owners and stuff like that. And when we do that, that's exactly how we do. You're almost like an outsourced family office as well, right? Where, I mean, that's how I would liken it, where if a client needs 
an accountant or an estate planning person or someone who specializes in cost segregation or some kind of advanced planning technique, you can't be the person who is expert in all of those things. You might have general knowledge, but it sounds like you've built out kind of like a virtual team around you that are resources to your clients and just to mm -hmm. folks that might want to just come on your website and check it out to, mm -hmm. to see some resources that you can make available. Secondly, Jen, you said that the, you know, the advisor's website is super important, both for attracting new talent and keeping the talent that you have satisfied, which I think that one's probably pretty easy to understand. I get it. Community involvement and doing fun things together and building that great culture. And then what I want to dig in on a little bit, because selfishly, it's something that we're really, really knee deep in right now is the development of the team, right? And creating that kind of, I call it the fertile soil so that whether it be administrative person, a unlicensed or licensed power planner or an advisor on your team has the ability to continue to grow. And you talked about having three kind of outsourced opportunities Maybe you can just talk through a little bit more about the significance there and kind of what you mean by that a little bit more specifically. Okay, so I might have to come back with a question first. When you talk about building out a team, are we talking about the C-suite to be, like the next set of leaders, or are we talking about a support team? Yes, both. <laughs> okay. I'll do whichever one you want first. What do you pick? Yeah, let's yeah, do C-suite. Let's do yeah. the tough one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think C-suite would be great. And, and it's interesting, and I don't say this, Jen, to the audience either to pat myself on the back, right? But we, we've got a pretty big practice. There's 100 plus people in the organization, et cetera, et cetera. I just put my C-suite, I did it all on my back, just working hard and I was everything. In the last 18 months, really, I added the president, I added the chief operating officer and a chief growth officer. And we're still going through some growing pains for sure, but I can see ahead and we're about a year or two away from my life getting a lot easier and better. It's already gotten a little easier and better. I think for advisors, that's a step. It's a hard step. If you could talk about building out a C-suite, that would be exceptional. And then I'd love to talk a little bit about how to develop the folks already in your organization, staff and advisors, et cetera. So when you're developing your C-suite, and hopefully they come from within, that they're already there and you just need to uncover uh, or tap their skills or their brains. A couple things. One is you've got to send them out into the world for a little bit of executive training because they didn't get to where they are like you got to where you were. Like we always say, well, you know, I went to school and walked to school every day uphill both ways, <laughs> you know, and that. I uh, work three jobs to, to run my main core business and, and support it. They're, they're just not going to have that same path. So they're not going to have the same level of grit and resourcefulness possibly. I think I hear a lot of when the owners talk about it, they struggle. And they say, well, why don't my upcoming leaders do this or that? And I'm like, well, maybe they didn't see you do it. So they don't know. And they didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family. So they don't know. It's not that they're not smart, but it just doesn't come naturally. If you're not able to lead by example because you just don't have the time and bandwidth to sit next to them all the time on everything you're doing, how do you get them to see? One thing is a peer group. I do find that that is really important to be around other peers that are struggling through things and they actually start to learn to think at an executive level by talking through issues and hurdles with others and other businesses. 
and it doesn't need to be a peer group in the same industry. In fact, I might say, switch it up a little bit. So that's one thing to develop if you can't. Second thing, transparency. I think as executives, we keep the vision, the thoughts, the goals to ourselves or in a tight little circle of trust. You need to start sharing that, even if it means it's going to unsettle the next generation, because part of the changes are going to be roles and responsibilities. Hey, guys, I'm about to build out a team, and I don't know where you all will land up, but I want to try and see how this works and have an open dialogue of trust because you're so important to the company. That needs to happen. So I'm going to say between outside, that's where I would start, and then whatever comes from that is going to be good progress. The flip is when you find that a certain person can't do a role. So I don't want to use your company as an example, use a fictitious. But what happens when you put somebody in, let's say, the chief growth officer role, and then you find out they're really not a good fit? This is the tough part. As the executive, you just have to be open to saying, we're going to try this out and see how it goes, that you have a place with the company. You can't, I don't know if you can promise as you're building up that next level, that they're going to always be in that seat. Jen, you, you've done this before because you're in my head. You're literally like in what's going on this week in my, my business. And I'm not saying that for effect legitimately. Like I said before, I, I have an executive team in place. It's new and we're going through some growing pains. I didn't send them out for executive training. And honestly, I often feel and I've said the words, right? <laughs> I don't know how they can't see it. I don't get it. Yes, it is a Saturday, but we work on Saturdays sometimes. And that's that's the business that we're in, because to your point, that's my DNA. That's how I grew up. And you know what, Joe, uh, who produces some of these podcasts and, as you know, is kind of listening in, making sure everything goes smoothly here, knows we own our own building. And if oil spills in the parking lot, I literally go out with kitty litter and there's oil in the parking lot right now. And I'm going to make sure kitty litter gets on today because I don't want an oil stain in my parking lot. And um, that might sound crazy and weird, but it's absolutely true. Uh, maybe separately, I'd like to learn more about how I send these people away for executive training, because you're right. Often how I feel is they're in this spot, they're doing a, a, a pretty good job. They don't have all the knowledge and know how to kind of solve the problems. And But I put them in the spot to do the job, but I still find myself coming back in and helping them with the job. And I don't want to do that, but I kind of have to. And I know it's a leadership development progress and process and not all things happen immediately, but that patience word, yeah. I guess is important. So that is yeah, brilliant. Well, yeah. I used to joke, I used to joke and I never had a business at the size of yours. So I so admire how far you've gone and continue to go. I, I just have to say that Thank I will you. say you're welcome because this is not easy, but is it, it's worth it. I remember my team swarming around me and saying, we need a code word for you. And it was serenity now because I love Seinfeld. Sorry. Oh, love yes. Kramer. And yes. so that was the code word. Yes. Like you, I, I joke. That's funny about the kitty litter, to be honest, I would do the same thing. Okay. As big of a company, but that's also like, I need to go outside and take a breath. So we would just joke. And when I yell serenity now, everybody just 
moved away and just gave me the moment because you're right. We get frustrated. We're like, how can you not see that? And the joke was, well, Jen, you're not explaining it in all the words you're thinking. You're giving us one of every 10 words. If you just added the other nine words, we would understand and learn, but you're skipping in your brain. You're so fast. I'll say this. And I did this. I give this advice and then I ate my own words. I have suggested strategic coach for many years to other firms. I've, I believe in it. And I went through it myself finally. Okay. I suggest the Wickman thing. I I go through it myself. So I will say this, not to pitch any one particular program, but some type of leadership group like a strategic coach, or maybe there's one called scaling up or, you know, like I have some of my own favorites, find a group and send a few people separately because that's about leadership they also need to have a better skill set so let's say it's marketing send them i don't know to a conference on marketing if it's about human psychology and managing clients right send them to an emotionally intelligent conference and again we have so many things in the virtual world now they can literally do it in their seat i would say you have to send them out to a program on leadership and complement it with skills And then if they come back and they should come back and share with the leadership team, what did they learn? Top key points. So everybody learns off of them, right? Even if it's not their role. And if you don't see the stars align after doing all that, then they're not the right person. That's, and that's sad. Then you have to mourn the loss of offboarding them. And that's hard, but at least you've given it the best chance. You've not just tried to do it yourself. That's how it goes. Yeah. No, you can see the big bucks as they say. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Completely, completely aligned. Like I said, stuff we're, stuff we're circling, particularly around strategic coach and EOS and realizing that I think you said it well before, right? Our, our president, Jake Dunlap, who I think was our last episode or maybe the episode before that, Jake loves to say to advisors that not everybody has the scraped knees and he likes to call it eating beanie weenies, right? And kind of building the business and sitting at kitchen tables trying to pick up a $5,000 check while a dog is eating your shoe and you're acting like they're not. The kind of next gen of advisors and for that matter, staff and power planners didn't have to do all that stuff. They didn't, like you said before, walk uphill both ways with no shoes in the snow like many of us did. It's just different. It's hard to get the bruises. It's frustrating as the the person who built the business because you you know they need to do some of that stuff to get the learnings that you had because you can't understand it, but then you still can't always think through it and go, okay, there's there's a reason that they're not that upset that a client decided to transfer because they didn't remember how hard it was to get the client. Okay. They're in this new business that has hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. And it's like, all right, well, we got 20 new ones coming in a month or 30 new ones coming in a month or five or 10. What's the big deal if we lost one? Sad, but they weren't very nice or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah. I completely, completely get it. So, Jen, we're just about out of time. And if you can't tell, I would like to talk for like another three hours because this was sort of therapeutic, to be totally honest, for me as well. So first, I'd like to get some time with you to talk some more because I think you could help and perhaps we could help each other. And then secondly, 
I would love to just have you anything that we didn't ask that you wanted to share. And then I'd love for you to just share with the audience where they can find you. You mentioned your website before. I want to make sure that we, we let everyone know how to find you. We'll put that in our show notes, et cetera. Yeah. But let's end on a positive note because I'm, I need it more than probably anyone. Here's the deal. This is all fun, crazy, hard, and sometimes easy. All I want to say is, if nothing else, the takeaway, I think you said it earlier about thinking about it, then acting, then doing, that was pivotal for me. Every time you have a meeting with somebody else in your firm, at least once a week, try to just talk about something good you learned, <laughs> lesson learned or a win. And it could be as tiny as, I learned how to delegate putting calendar on oil stain in the driveway so I had more time to do something else. You know, it's a joke. I just think we are always racing forward. And sometimes we have to teach the younger people and ourselves that it's good to just recap and appreciate something we just learned and celebrate something we did. So I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's a great, a great positive note and couldn't, couldn't agree more, right? Positive, positive reinforcement builds culture and people need to hear that, that, that things are good and that they're doing a good job every, every once in a while, a lot of, more often than we, we generally like to do that. Awesome. So Jen, this was fantastic. Didn't know exactly what to expect, but I thought it, it was blew away my expectations. So what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? I would say just Google me. Jennifer Goldman, and you could put advisor next to it and I'll come up and jump on LinkedIn and send me a message or go through my website, whatever suits you. Perfect. And your website is, is jennifergoldmanconsulting.com, correct? Yes. I dropped my old cool brand after Kitchis and I branded it. And yes, Jennifer Goldman Consulting. Kept it easy. Love it. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you very much for, for being our guest. I thought it was uh, fantastic. I'm sure our listeners loved it as well. And with that being said, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. If you yourself or someone you know might be a good guest for the podcast, please shoot us an email or go to our website. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week. 